morning and welcome back to your Hebrew Nation Morning Show, where Hebrews from all over the world gather to share and listen about the biblical roots of our faith. Sit back with your favorite morning brew and join the conversation. Lines are now open, so call 503-967-3001. 503-967-3001. His kingdom, His people, and your radio station. Well, good morning, and you are listening to Hebrew Nation Radio, and we are very excited and happy to be here this morning. Uh, It's a beautiful, hot day in Oklahoma. And that's where we're broadcasting from today. The radio station is in Salem, Oregon, so don't get confused with that. But that's where we're broadcasting from, is from Oklahoma today. And it is great to be here. And it is a beautiful day to be alive. And we were created for such a time as this. And so we, we, uh, Miriam and I, hi, Miriam. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. (laughs) And I'm happy that everything seems to be running smoothly this morning. Um, Yes. yes. Last week, we were just at the very close, and whoops, it went off, and we are so sorry. They said it was a Skype problem. So thank you for all your prayers, because prayerfully, we are good today, and we will boast in the Lord's deliverance and goodness, like in Psalm 34. And so we are so thrilled to be here today. Amen. And we are super excited because we have a very special guest today, Dr. Dina Dye. And if you don't know Dina Dye, you better buckle up, hold on, grab a pen and paper because you're going to want to uh, take some notes today. Uh, I'm going to do a little bragging rights with her today. Dina is an author. She's written several books. She's got a new one coming out. We're going to talk about that. She's a conference speaker and has a brand new eight-part series on Israel TV Network, Roadmap for Living, Resisting Tyranny. She's also the executive uh, director of Uh, I know she doesn't like titles, but she is of uh, On Fire Prayer Team. That's a worldwide uh, intercessory prayer for the the nation. Um, She she got the vision for that uh, long before this last election, and and she has... uh, saw tyranny coming down the road and has been very... uh, basically a prophetic voice in a lot that's going on today. And so she's going to help us to make sense, I believe, today of the chaos around us. Um, And so you definitely are at the right place at the right time today. And welcome, Dina. How are you doing? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, what a what a great day, even though it's going to be 97 here uh, somehow. <laughs> oh, God. Another state, Dina, you want to, well, first of all, we are thrilled to have you, and besides all that wonderful 
intro, we are so privileged that we have, both of us, Deb and I, have known Dina for a long time and privileged to call her our friend. And who would think that these three women, and there's many more of us, that have been born just at the time like this, like Esther and Adasa, that are strong and courageous. So we are thrilled to have you with us. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. You guys are just a blessing to me. And, you know, we uh, we grew up in that age, uh, you, you know, I always say back in the 60s and 70s that kind of equipped us in some way for today. I told yeah. my husband, you know, we were the counterculture then and we're the counterculture now. And uh, right. how he treated yeah. us in all those hippie years uh, to be able to resist authority, right? Right, right. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but you're exactly right. That's kind of how we uh, uh, cut our teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I appreciate that time. You know, I obviously had years where I didn't, but I appreciate it now because I find uh, we don't we don't have the fear not that it's coming just from living in the 60s and 70s, obviously our faith and the Lord and our walk, but I think it equipped us in some ways just to not have fear about authority when it goes off the rails and, and pushing back against tyranny. So, you know, none of this should take us by surprise, but I'm hoping in all this, this people will, con you know, continually rise up. And this has been the greatest danger because I just, I look around, people are lacking courage. They are succumbing to this incredible fear by the governing authorities and they've lost their way. Uh, they don't understand what's going on. I mean, still people are asleep. I, I just, it boggles my mind. This has been a major problem for a long time. And I think you've shared that before on our program and very, very complacent and we are so blessed that we ask questions. Part of us going into this walk even, we wanted to have some answers. We wanted to know a little bit more and we just ask questions. And it says what? The greatest student is the one that asks the questions. And so we haven't just accepted things and we're not just being like a group of sheep. You know, we're, we're asking questions and, and many people don't like the answers or sometimes they are not at all, um, they just want to kind of put their heads in the sand and have things just going along, but we cannot do that. Well, I, I laugh because, you know, Jews always answer questions with questions. Right. My husband gets mad at me all the time. He asks a question, I always answer it with a question. But that's why we end up with so many Jewish lawyers, right? Right. But it, is the key. it, it has been one of the, I think, uh, detriment in the Christian community as well as, you know, Messianic community is... And I think part of the reason why we've ended up where we are is we do not ask questions. We do not think through things critically. We just accept what we're being told, dutifully go along. We don't do our research. We don't do invest any kind of investigative. Uh, we just, and then especially with social media, we just pick something up and, you know, throw it out there. We don't check to make sure it's accurate. And this is the thing I try to really uh, hold people accountable to. I had a friend recently just send me a note, you know, Facebook Messenger, uh, you know, about uh, how Fauci and Bill Gates were roommates in college and all this stuff. And I'm going, wait a minute. 
you know, Bill Gates is 55 and Fauci's 80. No way were yeah. they mates in college <laughs> and besides which you know gates dropped out of harvard and i don't know fauci go to yale or something like that and then going they just send it out without thinking without researching without checking sources and this has led us to where we are today now i do see some some changes going on and people are being a little more accountable to that but you know we we simply cannot continue to do that we must be careful uh, about what we're saying in public and making sure we dotted the I's and crossed the T's. Well, yeah, that's really that, and that is so spot on. We we lose credibility when we do that, and yeah. sometimes I've even I've even believed that it's the the side that's trying. There's a side out there that wants us to look foolish and maybe <laughs> plants information, and yep. so check out everything. Yes, we're in a, a psychological warfare on all sides, and people don't even know they're in it. So right. I tend to err on the side of I don't trust and believe anything. <laughs> I start there, <laughs> except for my Lord and Savior. But, it, you know, I start there, and then I kind of work backwards because uh, there's just, you know, we're being bombarded, and people are unable to uh, discern what what the truth is it's very difficult i i admit but we we got to do the extra work and another thing also people have felt depending on you know where they are living in what country or or what what state they're living in they have just um they've just accepted things and said wow well this isn't happening here and like we talked just before the show all these things that are happening in israel with netanyahu uh you know, being ousted now, and all these things, it's, wow, it's like, it's just, whatever happens in Israel is happening here in the States, but people just felt, well, it's not happening to us, or we, you know, we don't care, and, and that cannot be, we have to have our eyes open and look around you. Yeah, no, it does, it definitely seems, you know, U.S. and Israel are kind of mirror images of one another, you know, in leadership and structure, and just the thinking that's, that's gone on and we we talked a bit before the show it's my opinion one of the reasons netanyahu's lost which has has been replaced is because he didn't finish the job in gaza and i mean how many times can you continue to you know have a quote unquote war and not finish and so the enemy is going to come you know you left the enemy in there entrenched and they're going to come back and so i think that was pretty discouraging for a lot of the israeli people um, I think that probably, you know, caused uh, part of the, you know, led to what's going on now. Um, a leader finishes the job. And then, of course, the uh, the green passes and all that sort of thing, you know, creating a two-tiered state of <laughs> vaxxed and unvaxxed in, in Israel didn't help matters. Uh, I know Israel early on uh, joined forces with Pfizer to kind of be, to lead the way in, in all the nations to, you know, to vaccine uh, everyone being vaccinated. And I actually hate using that word because it isn't, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And I, you know, that also created a lot of uh, dissent in Israel. And, and uh, I mean, we were hearing from people inside the country, just this was devastating. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't grocery shop. Um, you know, you, you, you can't even imagine that Israel... <laughs> 
would allow such a thing to happen, you know, the, the second-class citizen, having gone through the Holocaust, it just boggles your mind that they would forget that and, and implement the same philosophy in their country today. Yes, and still going on. And also now that they're saying that in Israel, where, like you said, was one of the first ones with the Pfizer shots, now they've just even had that now the young men are uh, having heart inflammation yeah. problems. Yeah, they're, they, they've done a great, uh, they've done the most comprehensive study on that. Yes. And uh, that has been the number one issue, especially in healthy young men having all these cardiac issues. Um, this is just, uh, this is really serious. I know some, what, what some of the entities here in the United States are looking at those studies that were done in Israel. Yes, yes, no, it's, they had been at the forefront with that. Uh, before we get too far into all the chaos surrounding us, we wanted to hear about, you. you're releasing a new book soon. We yes, want to kind of hear yes. about that. Yeah, after, you know the slog of two years, uh, you know, honestly, last year was just really difficult to write. I mean, I'd sit down, my mind would wander, I couldn't put thoughts together. It really was a battle. And I know it's just a reflection of everything that was going on around us. So, and I just couldn't sort through it all mentally. So I kind of had to put it down and just do something else. And then uh, we went to Florida and I guess it was in January, and I felt like a new person when I came home. Uh, Love Florida, what can I say? And uh, (laughs) just, it was very motivating, and I finally sort of got down and got to work. And I I had written a chapter or two before that, but it just didn't feel like I was getting any traction. So really since January, I've been pounding away. Uh, Finally, basically finished four chapters. I've got one left to go. And so my hope is to be done uh, the writing part probably by the end of July. And then uh, I'd have my, the gal that does my covers is working on the, the cover for Noah's Ark right now. And uh, everything's kind of in motion. It'll probably take three or four weeks to do the formatting. So the plan is, and you know how that goes, but the plan is to release it right before Rosh Hashanah. Mm. Oh, oh, perfect timing. Yes, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and and so give for our uh, listening audience out there a little uh, about what a little taste of what the, the book's about. So it's the third in the series, uh, basically called the Temple Revealed series, and it'll actually I decided it would be the last in the series because really. We're covering from Genesis 1 up through uh, into 10, 11. And I figured if people have that down, that is their foundation down, really everything else just repeats itself. So um, the first book, of course, dealt with creation. The second book was, was the garden. And so this one is dealing with Noah's Ark. So it's called The Temple Revealed in Noah's Ark, From Chaos to Order. So I do bring in a lot of ancient Near Eastern thinking and concepts because I don't believe you can even understand the story without it. So, and I didn't write the book going through every little detail in the story of Noah's Ark. It just, it's impossible. I just picked out those things to help make the story foundational and how they would have viewed it in the ancient world. And, of course, we know that anciently, I mean, every nation and 
empire had their flood stories, very common. And I didn't want to dwell too much on sort of the ancient flood myth people that like the Epic of Gilgamesh, which was a Babylonian. You have the um, Atrahasis, which was Akkadian. So you've got all these flood heroes. And I, I didn't go into it too much. Get, gave people an opportunity. If you want to learn more about this stuff, you know, you can go look it up for yourself. But you can't really write a flood story without mentioning that kind of thing. But the, right. the greater message is the concept of the temple or the house. And this this is going to, I, granted, this book is definitely outside the box. <laughs> I'm sure some <laughs> might want to throw tomatoes. That's okay. And I'm just, I'm trying to show the big picture. And so when you look at, so we're not going to get into an argument here over, you know, where was the flood? When was the flood? Was there a flood? You know, right. it's not about the, that. Although, you know, there's a historical basis, obviously, for, for the book of Genesis. I mean, everything is historically accurate. But there's right. an overlay, and it's kind of how the writers were viewing these and what were they showing. And I would say the main message is that though what's going on with God's people looks like what's going on with the nations, God always deconstructs the nation's myths. So every nation had a flood myth. But God is giving us a story through Noah of how he de deconstructs the myths of the nations around him, and he inserts something very different. So, the, for example, the gods of the ancient world, they were out to destroy humankind because they believe it. one of the reasons they wanted to just to destroy humanity is because of overpopulation, which I find very unique, right? I know. Wait, wait. Isn't there someone who said that so in the days of Noah? <laughs> so yes, the yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was in Matthew 24. Yeah. So now God is building, is, is inspired Noah, given him blueprints to build, you know, this ark. Because it, it, for to save the family, to protect and preserve the seed. So then the gods of the nations, you know, do everything to destroy the people. And then God comes along and he operates always 180 degrees opposite of how the gods of the world operate. So he's always, his story is always taking, upending the world of the nations and their gods and how they're constructed. And presenting a new creation story on how we can live. So Noah, Noah really is a revisit of the creation week and a replay of the Adam story. So really it comes down to what is Noah building? It's not just a boat. In fact, if you go through most of the scholarly work on this, you'll find out it actually isn't even a boat. Um, you did not have boats that size at that period of time. And we could of course debate what the year was. Uh, but they, the, the largest boat at that time was about 10 feet and they were reed boats, which we could talk about in just a second. And so Noah has just built an aircraft carrier, right? Next to it, right. a normal 10 foot boat. So the writer is trying to tell us something, you know, what, what is the writer saying in, in something historically doesn't make sense. 
So the the concept that you'll find throughout most of the scholarly work, and that that's even ancient scholars, and maybe even going back, you know, as far first century, is that Noah is rebuilding the cosmos. So the the cosmos is in a state of decay after you know Noah sin. I mean Adam sin left the garden. Now he's rebuilding, and then we end up back in this place again. A world the world always descends into chaos, violence, corruption, always. And so now there's this effort, God's going to destroy that root. And so Noah is going to rebuild or restore the cosmos. The cosmos is always associated with temple building. So in essence, what is he building? He's building a temple. Mm -hmm. So in the ancient world as well, um, I, I mean, I don't know how much time I got to go into this, but the concept of a mountain isn't how we view it. So for them, in the ancient world, as creation, they all have creation stories too, right? They got flood stories, they got creation yes. stories. Their right. creation stories are quite different. But in the, the normal thinking of a creation story, you had water, and then it was related to chaos, and then dry ground or primordial hillock would appear, and that would kind of turn into a mountain. So the mountain was this, you know, thing that connected heaven and earth. But on top of the mountain, they would always build uh, a temple. Temples were always built on top of mountains. And so that's where the god, that was the home of the gods. And, uh, you know, the, the, they would, the, the ziggurats that you see in the, in the, in the plains of the alluvial plains, were, look like mountains, they were artificial mountains, because this signified the first fixed point out of creation, out of the waters. It was a place of stability. It was the bulwark against the flood. This is all very normal thinking, and, and it's all in the book. So when Noah's Ark, quote-unquote, lands on top of Mount Ararat, you know, we have a picture of this boat sitting on top of the mountain, but really the imagery here is of a, the rebuilding of a temple, that would be on top of the mountain, that was the fixed point, that's the point of stability, where Noah would enter in, if you will, to worship God. And of course, he built an altar, remember? Yeah. And then he comes out of the ark, and he, you know, plants a vineyard. So it's, it's really a story that recreates Adam in the garden, and it's a story that recreates Genesis chapter 1 of life coming forth out of water and dry ground appearing, and a, a temple being built. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Like you yes. said, and everything goes back to the garden. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the garden was a mountain. We mm -hmm. forget that. But Eden was viewed as a mountain. And you can read that in Ezekiel 28. Remember the king of Tyre, and he threw him off. It's, it's really a picture of Adam, which actually in the book I say has something to do with Solomon. But that's another story. But you see it's designed as a mountain. So we got, you know, you've got all these mountains, mountains from Ararat, you know, to Sinai, uh, to Zion, always the temples on top of the mountains is the same with Sinai and on even into the Mount of Olives, all of this language of, of something on top of the mountain, the place of worship on top of the mountain is one would ascend, you know, into the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. That's quite interesting. Yeah. So this is the, the goal here. I, I'm trying to get people to rethink this stuff. 
And what I did in this book more really than the others is in, I don't make the conclusion. I don't say, okay, this is how it is. But I'm saying, okay, let's rethink this. Uh, perhaps this is what the writers are communicating. This is what they're suggesting. Just to start shaking people out of, you know, we're, we're just locked into this, you know, arc with these animals in and, a, you know, on a flannel board. And, you know, everyone's happily smiling on the arc. <laughs> just. <Yeah. laughs> so, uh, step in poop. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a whole thing with the th the three levels. I'll I'll talk about that after the break. Yeah. But that okay. that's I just get ready for a break. Yes. Yeah, we'll be we'll right be back. Right. No. <laughs> CBD is 